Hello everyone and welcome back to the Two Baggies One Light Bulb podcast. A very weird game today against Liverpool with a lot of emotions, uh, a, a really surprising thing, you know, things you'd never see happen. Uh, we saw a goalkeeper score a goal. Uh, we saw a goal disallowed for a very contentious VAR decision. That one, much more common now as it ever used to be. Um, of course, I'm joined by Dom. Uh, we're here to break down the game, full of drama, uh, a summary of our entire season, really, encapsulated in 96 minutes, was it, overall? Uh, so we'll try and, try and get to as much of this stuff as we can. Uh, we'll try and remember it all, because a lot of stuff happened. Um, Dom, what do you make of the game on the whole? Yeah, I kind of almost want to work our way backwards, you know, like a manga book and you read it backwards. I kind of want to work that way, <laughs> but I know for the sake of the listener, we should actually do it all chronologically. But all the stuff that's just mental happens at the end of the game. But for the sake of the for the sake of the listener, let's talk about the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. We were pretty much evens, wouldn't you say, with Liverpool at that point? I think we started the better team. I think we were all over them. Especially when the goal goes in, you know, lovely pass from Pereira, delectable finish from Hal robson Dom was really unhappy that Hal robson was starting as well. He was all over the Instagram. Oh, don't do that to me, mate. <laughs> don't do that to me. Don't be sp- spreading libelous stuff like that. <laughs> no, it it was me. <laughs> it was me. But to be fair, mate, I was, there, I was there in spirit. As soon as I saw the lineup, I was like, oh, Hal's in. I thought, well, and then I thought to myself, I was like, okay, we're already down, right? Let's bring these players in. Dean Garner's come in. Hal's come in. I thought to myself, okay, blood these players in. They've not had much time this season. You know, especially in the case of Dean Garner, on his own back, really. You know, he's not really put in the performances. He's not had great form for the entire season. Yeah, he's been injured, you know, here and there. But, you know, we've got to blood these players in for the championship campaign Fair enough. But you hear the name Hal robson Carnu, and it doesn't really sound the bell of, you know, top goal scorer, does it? You know what I mean? So you're thinking to yourself, is the guy going to get a goal? Then 15 minutes in, he scores an absolute world in slots at bottom left-hand corner. So fair play to making mugs of both of us. Oh, yeah, fully. You know, he's, he just silenced all of us in that move. Do you know what I mean? With that lovely finish. Um, I've always rated him anyway. Don't know what you're on about. Um, mm. But the game goes on. We write history like that, mate. Absolutely. Um, if governments can do it then uh, anyone can Um, don't get political son (laughs) sorry sorry I'm not trying to politicise that game Um, we move on uh, and you know um, Harold Sakani Mo Salah you know not to be outdone uh, on like a kind of a half turn whips this ball uh, that happens to fall into his path uh, beautifully into the bottom left as we would see it Uh, great finish Uh, we said you said on the cool Mm. down Dom you felt that it was a bit of a maybe a dilly-dally from the defenders and Dean Garner who happened to be there at the time to not maybe hoof the ball clear or just, you know, maybe dicking around with it at the back. That sort of gave them that opportunity. Yeah, it was a a lack of spatial awareness, really, especially from Grady Dean Garner, who, you know, we touched on it there, has just come back into the side, first game back in a while, you know, his first start. Of course, he's going to be, you know, a little bit rusty. You know, if we look at Grady Dean Garner and the, the, you know, sort of the positives of his game, defending, spatial awareness, this kind of stuff, the defensive part of his game isn't really the paramount when you think of him. Um, And yeah, he gives a lot of space. He allows the ball to be passed to Firmino. Firmino gives it to Salah and then Salah does what he does best and finishes and scores a great goal. Um, But yeah, you can be hypercritical and say Dean Garner's at fault there or you could say that it's a great piece of awareness by, you know, sort of the Liverpool attacking three. Absolutely. You know, SJ, no chance on that shot, I don't think. Um, 
But, you know, even how good he is, he's such a good shot from Salah. Uh, move on mm. into the, the second half. You know, fairly matched at times, but then time ticks on. Liverpool start to press a little more. Um, we get a yeah. chance from a corner, which we've put in the we put in the net. Carl Bartley sort of chances upon it, rolls down to him and he sort of, you know, slaps it home, kicks it home in some fashion. Uh, and it's given yeah. offside. It's like, oh, was, was Bartley offside there? Um and we, I mean, we definitely hope the linesman thought we'll put his flag up for Phillips offside because I'm pretty sure that's what VAR gave. Pretty sure VAR gave mm. offside for Phillips obstructing the field of view for Allison. And if you look at the behind the goal view, he definitely is in that eye line. He's banging in front of him. However, my argument is what I don't think that has any impact on the goal because it is such point blank range. He has no impact on the goal in that sort of sense, in my opinion. Uh, it just goes straight in. Allison's unfortunate with the fact that this miss hit this sort of headers come off at an angle and fell to Bartley. I think they're unlucky in that sense. Mm. But I don't think Phillips in his eye line makes a difference. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There was a distinct lack of clarity, especially in the commentary as it was What's happening new? play by play. Um, exactly, mate. Sky Sports, what do you expect? Um, but when you're watching it and I was looking, I was like, am I missing something here? It just looked like they'd given it for offside. And I thought it was a case of mistaken identity again, you know, between Phillips and Bartley, which won't be the first time that we, you know, offsides have been given through VAR and whatever through mistaken identity before and through refereeing decisions. And I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's because of that. Then I'm just laughing my head off again because this is the classic, you know, sort of it's West Brom again. These weird contentious decisions with VAR and referees keep happening throughout the season. Um, so, so you know, it's it's crazy. So it was the lack of clarity for me. And then obviously, as it came on, it was, okay, uh, Alisson's field of views being impaired somewhat. And for me, it was very, very soft. Um, very soft indeed. And I said this on the on the call down as well, is that, okay, maybe he is impairing his view a little bit, but is it enough to, to you know, discredit a goal in that sense? And I don't think it is. I think it's very soft. Jamie Carragher said it himself. And when you've got Jamie Carragher himself, Mr. Liverpool, on the commentary of Sky Sports saying that Liverpool got lucky and it was very soft, then, you know, that says it all really, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's a summary of how VAR's gone for us this year. A summary of how everyone's felt about VAR this season, you know, with Carragher saying that. And, you know, I think that's how we all feel about VAR. We've said it from the beginning. We're trying to crowbar VAR into the game by crowbarring the rules around VAR instead of crafting VAR around the existing rules. You know, these rules have existed for years. They have tweaks, but not massive overhauls, especially in such quick succession. You know, what's the biggest last, mm. what's the last biggest overhaul before VAR we saw? You know, the back pass rule? And now we're looking at, you know, a couple of years on the bounce, massive rules. Handball, is handball. you know, obviously ne- never just is the hand. We know when we talk about handball, we talk about the whole arm. You know, mm. we're now talking about the, the sleeve is not part of that handball to fit with VAR and what we look at in slowing down everything. You know, all these things. We're changing the handball rule. We're changing the offside rule. Onus the attacker is dead in the water. Um, mm. it, it's too clinical. And there are still... Um, human errors in this and that's what VAR was here to to take away and I think people were for it I'm I was for it I won't lie to you I think a lot of people were I'm still I'm still for VAR and I know you are as well but I think that not in this form, I think but... it's like you say not in this format it needs change and it re, it needs reviewing I think today is a good example 
because we've, we've we've spoken about VAR like throughout the season and the decisions it's made. I think today is a good example of the human element, even when looking at VAR, because for me, it's not, we're not talking about get your ruler out, son, and look at the millimeters on an offside, or are we talking about a, a sleeve for a handball rule and things like that? We're talking about you know Phillips being stood in a position and judged to be impairing the goalkeeper's view to a sufficient amount that means that a fully onside goal in terms of Bartley's positioning yeah. being ruled off. Well, you know, as yeah. Jai heads it into the ground, it goes to Bartley. And for me, obviously, that just comes down to the very... The, contextually, it just comes down to the human element in the VIR room and the referee, which is basically the old part of the game anyway. It was down to the judgment she, she of the referee in the first place. Um, yeah. I think when... I think a good analogy for what we're on about as well, as well as the Phillips thing, but a more clear one is say if Phillips isn't there, say if the Bartley goal is given offside, those are the glaring mistakes that we'd want rectified by a video review system or a video assistant referee as it is called. Those are the type of things that we'd want rectified. Not these tiny minuscule decisions or, you know, things slowed down to uh, an inch of their life. So it looks like ABH. You know, these 50 50s yeah. that could look disgusting when it's slowed down in super slow mo. Um, of course. It needs serious reform and it's killing the game. I mean, we had an FA Cup final yesterday. Yeah. As funny as it is to see Chelsea go and celebrate and then have it turned over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although it was offside, we get that. It's contentious when it goes offside's offside, what we're talking about. I get that. But you had players after the game, i.e., Peter, Cash, Peter Schmeichel, Cashbush Michael, you know, Yuri Tielemans scores a wonder goal and he's asked on an interview after the game when they've won the cup, uh, we'll definitely talk about them later as well, uh, after they've won the cup, how did he feel in that moment? He goes, well, I didn't really want to celebrate because you never know what happens with VAR. This is an FA Cup final and this guy's hesitant to celebrate because of what this, what this video assistant referee has done to the game. You know, no, true, but what's the alternative? What's the this? pragmatic alternative? Because the only way is not to have VAR, then, isn't it? In that in that particular case, to, the only way to stop to not have players celebrate potential goals, well, have a successful is VAR, is just to eliminate goal. Have a VAR well, that's ha- have a VAR that's you... effective and isn't as contentious as it is. You know, if we if we didn't yeah, have scenarios get... that chalked off goals for nothings, then Cash Michael wouldn't be feeling the way he is. Would he? No, true, but you can't have you can't have a decision made in the VAR room instantaneously. That's what I'm saying. No, I know. You can't, I know you can't check that. something I know. instantaneously. I, I know They're always going to be waiting. He wouldn't be as hesitant as he was if VAR wasn't as terrible as it was. Is what I mean. You know, there wouldn't be that. Oh, true. Of yeah, I, just, I accept that. I accept that. Yeah, of yeah. I just I mean in terms of the Yuri Tielemans, the Yuri Tielemans one where he scored the goal, he's looked, he's waiting for a VAR decision. They can't make that instantaneously in the same way the referee used to be able to before VAR and they'll just, he gesture towards the the middle of the pitch and go, yep, that's a goal given. Let's kick off from there. They can't do that. They've got to, you know, review it two, three times to absolutely make sure. Um, And some of these decisions go on for like a good five minutes, don't they? When you start getting the ruler out and looking at millimetres and things like that. That's where I don't like it. This is where I like Arsene Wenger. Wenger's rule of the offside. I've said this on previous podcasts and very like pragmatic approaches to how it could. But even if you're apprehensive about that one rule, the idea is to change these rules and to implement them in a way that works with VAR. So it's a good mindset. Like you've got these guys at UEFA, uh, UEFA and FIFA and whatever, at least trying to, you know, sort of fix the rule system to, you know, to, to, uh, what's the word? To marry with VAR 
rather than sticking in the mud and going, nope, this is the system, we're sticking with it, this is what we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. At least they're trying to look at even innovative ways to uh, deal with the problem. I, I 100% agree with you on that. I think, I think for me, the two options that will massively improve are, are either one, um, have a review system whereby um, you give each manager or captain a set amount of reviews per game per half yeah I agree in which they can go right let's review it it's like it's used in cricket it's used in tennis it's used in most sports and I know we should be very apprehensive about the Americanization of football especially after what has happened but the review system is a, a, a slight thing that we should be taking from the American styles of play or tennis and things or cricket is mostly one of the most English games of the world and that uses it so we need to be looking into things like that and my other one is why why are we having it in league games that don't mean anything? Because you know, last game of the season, maybe. Knockout games, absolutely. Where if you're shafted by a bad decision, you can be out for a whole season. However, in games it takes you lose a game in the middle of November and then you complain, Oh, that bloody VAR decision sent us down. It's like no, you know, because you've had dis- you've had chances since November to rectify that. So I think you could. Those are my approaches. However, you'd have to revert back to the old rules because the the, the rules then would be so confusing that you'd be, the referees would be looking for did that hit the shirt sleeve? Did that hurt? Hit this and that. So it, I think the whole game is confused now, and I don't know if those yeah. things are attainable. Well, just to just to finalise yeah, on, on, on your two bar. points of VAR because we don't want to go VAR too much, but. In relation to your first point, I absolutely agree. I think we've both advocated for some some similar style like that as well, like they do in tennis and and things like that. They have the is it the eagle eye in tennis? I'm not too familiar with tennis, but like Hawkeye. a review system whereby Hawkeye, sorry, and then you could have. I said this about like sort of captains to bring back the point and the role of captains to have sort of three ways where the captain could come in and you know sort of review a decision and go to the referee and go, I want that reviewed, etc., etc. Adds almost like a mini game to the actual main game of football. Adds a more exciting element rather than making VAR this hyper-negative thing. It's almost an added excitement added to the game. I get that. But also, I've kind of changed my decision a little bit from what I had previously and what you outlined. And it's almost like with tennis, it makes sense because it's a very arbitrary decision in the same way that with like goal, uh, goal line technology, it's very arbitrary. It's either the ball's completely past the line or it hasn't. Very easy. Same with tennis, ball passes the line or it hasn't. Very easy. Yeah. But with, with VAR, there's so many different variables and we've created so many different variables. It's very diff- difficult to articulate that in the same level. And with the second point, about, well, why bother even implementing VAR on these games that don't really matter? I mean, West Brom are relegated, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would say just for the sake of perpetuity. That's the only reason why. I get that. Because I'm, I'm these games matter, matter for Liverpool. Liverpool's And matters. it just keeps... I get that. But, mm. you know, those are relative universal. ones. I'm on about literal, like, knockout games, cup tournaments, you know, national games and things like that. That's what more so I mean by uh, games that mean more than... Uh, or are... That the decisions are far more important, uh, like if it was a last day situation, maybe in the league. Um, but we'll move on, and we'll move to one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to the Albion, and especially this season. It's Alison Becker scoring a goal from a header to win the game for Liverpool <laughs> in like the ninety fourth fifth minute. Insane, yeah. you know. He comes up, he thinks, "Oh, what if he scores?" And then he puts in a worldy of a header. You know, no cap about it. This guy cranes his neck. Flicks this ball 
I'm reenacting it as it go as I do it. Um, yeah, you know, beautifully into the side netting of the inside of the goal. I mean, you know, the side of the net. What a goal! And <laughs> you can only laugh, can't you? Well, that's what, that was my response. Very similar. It was just laugh, laughing my head off and going, yeah, it could only happen to the Albion. First Liverpool goalkeeper to score an outfield goal in their history or something, I think. I think the only goalkeeper they said on the commentary was something like the 19th century, something like that. The 19th century or something. Um, you know, a few years after the yeah, the actual club was created or something. Uh, but he was playing out, he used to play outfield and goalkeeper. It's the first time an actual goalkeeper scored whilst playing in, in the goalkeeping role. And it's, of course, going to happen to the Albion after this season. It's compounded with the fact that it's Albion and we've had, you know, a terrible season uh, in the Premier League. So you just got to laugh at it. It's just tragedy becoming comedy, like I said before. Um, you know, it's just funny me and you, you have the same reaction to it. You wrote in that incredible uh, film, the, uh, the Joker, directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, if you're defining the redefining the word incredible to mean exceptionally <laughs> average, then yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh man, this is a film podcast, mate. Sorry, guys. We talk about the football here. It's just the Joker film bends me the wrong way. Um, bit sus. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a goal! You can't only laugh. You are hundred percent right. You know, especially when it sets up, we're relegated. I think we put in a good performance and it just ends like that. It's like, right, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, I'll trudge upstairs just to go and record the podcast, all right, whatever. Uh, get a laugh about it. You know, it'll go mm. down well on Premier League years. We can say we've been a part of the of a season that was re- insane. Like, what? honestly, yeah. one of the most mental Premier League seasons we've ever had. Um, you know, with barely any fans in, in the stadiums and I'm pretty sure... Oh, did we have fans this year? I think we did, didn't we? Yeah, in, uh, er, earlier on. Because uh, they were in like Merseyside and things like that. Just mega yeah. weird this season was, wasn't it? Well, this just compounds it again. Like, it's just... It, we've had COVID, no fans in stadiums. Um, you know, and then you've just got this... It's just a tiny thing, obviously, but you've got a goalkeeper scoring a diving-headed goal like his Cristiano Ronaldo in the 95th minute of a game that we looked like we were going to draw. And we were going to take two points from Liverpool this year. But... It's just it's just been one of those seasons, hasn't it? And it's it, it's just hilarious to think that how far we've come. Actually, I was thinking about this um, in the ninety fourth minute before Allison actually scored that goal. It looked like we were going to draw one one with the guy uh, with Liverpool, and I was thinking, well, we got the same result at Anfield early this season. It was one of uh, Big Sam's first games. I think it was like his second or third game in charge. And like how we had that massive shift in mentality. And it was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen us play, but we yeah. ground out a 1-1 draw at Anfield. And it was just awful, awful football. It was sort of your meat and potatoes, Victorian football as Mourinho would put it, pumping the ball up to the big man, holding it up, having 10 men behind the ball, you know, or whatever, for the vast majority of the game. It's terrible to watch, but we got, we got the result. And we thought to ourselves, is this going to be our season? And then we're asking philosophical questions throughout the fan communities going, if we stay up under Big Sam, but we're playing this way, is it worth it? And then some of the fans go, well, absolutely, it's worth it. We can build on it for next season, blah, 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 blah. And other fans going, well, no, it's anti-football. It's anti the way that I want to watch football. It's against the entire sport that I like. Um, so it was interesting, very polarising at the time. And then now we played expansive football today, played great football. Like I said, the the back end of Big Sam's tenure, we probably played the best football we've played all season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why we're excited to, to move into the championship campaign if he stays. But we just end up uh, losing today 
due to some absolute crazy joker madness of the goalkeeper scoring a diving head goal. It's madness. Absolutely. And I think just to close, um, is it, you know, the fount of football knowledge that is Adrian Durham um, was uh, talking about how, uh, you know, what's the point of Albion again? And what he means by that is, um, what's the plan? What, what do Albion have in mind? Um, you know, it's, it's just panic and knee-jerk reactions. And I agree with that in that sense. Uh, obviously, don't agree with the what's the point of Albion, but that's just there to generate clicks and, you know, generate discourse about that. I think we have we had a chance at the season before the summer before we got relegated to part ways with Pulis and build on what he'd done. He'd secured us and we had a chance to build on what he'd done. And now we're going down with Big Sam. And I think there's a chance there for him to be the man to bring us straight back, secure us once more in the championship, and then we say, Sam, thank you ever so much. We'll wash our hands with you in like a nice way and we'll bring someone in to then push us forward. Hopefully under new ownership. Because, you know, we need new owners to actually want to push this club forward and have the vision uh, that we have as well. And I, I speculate we might have new owners in the summer. Um, so maybe this is the chance to do that. I'd, I'd slightly disagree with that. So what I would I would say, I think very similar to you from what you just said, um, Big Sam's probably our best option to stay at the club to try and bring us back in a season in the championship. And I think we will. I think if we have Big Sam, we retain the bulk of the squad, which I think we will. Um We've got a very good chance, if anything, I would argue a much better chance than we did in our first season under Darren Moore of coming yeah, straight back so. up rather than the second season. Um, however, I don't think we would we should bin Big Sam off when we came into the Premier League or if he secures us staying up in that first Premier League season. I've had a couple of seasons. Um, I might have... Well, whatever, but like I, I think that I would have agreed with that when he first came in. And especially if we're using today, like I said, that 1-1 draw at Anfield against Liverpool after witnessing that game and thinking that's the way we're going to play under his entire tenure, I'd have agreed. But I feel like having a look at his previous teams, the way that he played football at Crystal Palace, for instance, and at times Everton, um, with the players that he had, the players he could generate, the the expansive football he can play at times. He's got this, um, you know, this IP of keeping teams up in the league and doing the nasty gritty stuff but you can he's got a, a good footballing brain you know um, let's not forget that and he plays some good attack minded football and we've seen that over the back end of his tenure with West Brom this season um that if we were to get promoted in the first season and stay in the Premier League I feel like he would be the man that would keep building I think it's more of a case of when's big Sam going to retire and walk away from football you know and actually properly retire not like a metal band saying he's going to retire and then they end up retiring you know, 10 or 11 times and keep coming back for more. I feel like it's going to come to a point where he's going to have to walk away. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it, mate, like you are. I feel like next season's going to be great. We're back in the stadiums. Things things hopefully go to a degree of normality. Um, we're going to be winning more games, hopefully. We'll have a good manager at the helm, hopefully. Uh, the owners from Grenzau so. will be gone, fingers crossed. Um, and we'll be able to build a squad and hopefully be better off going into a hopefully, fingers crossed, Premier League campaign the season after. Fingers crossed. And much much rather uh, Big Sam than Roy Hodgson. IMO. I did see things about Roy Hodgson coming back to the Albion. And I, I love Roy though, mate. I love Roy. Uh, I love Roy, but if we're talking about the pragmatics of it, um, Big Sam's more well-suited to... for this... Pro... <laughs> He's a dinosaur compared to Big Sam. <laughs> no, I, I disagree with that, mate. I, I really? rate Roy Hodgson. Uh, I like Roy. I yeah, it, seriously. I don't want him back. 
Don't want him back. No, I'm not saying... If we're talking about the practicalities of things, it's way better to keep Big Sam. He knows the squad. He knows what he wants to build. If you're the practicalities, would you choose Roy Hodgson over Big Sam? In the Premier League, yeah, I probably would. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I think he's... I mean, uh, it's very close, but... Sagnated Crystal Palace a whole lot. I think he's built that squad up, mate. And I think that mm. the problem with Roy Hodgson is he has a ceiling and he's reached that ceiling with Crystal Palace. I agree to that. You know, we saw it when he went to Liverpool and obviously he couldn't bring them to a powerhouse and it took Jurgen Klopp to do so. You know, Brendan Rodgers couldn't do it. Roy Hodgson couldn't do it. And then Jurgen Klopp broke the ceiling um, and made them a powerhouse. Um, but Roy definitely, you know, for, for a club like us, you say, what's the point of West Bromwich, uh, West Bromwich Albion, you know, Adrian Durham or whatever, trying to get the clicks. We're the point. We have the same point as pretty much every other club outside the top five or six, really, which is to try and do the best we can, stay up, claw our way to the promised land of European football at some point. Hopefully, you, the, the same like argument could have been levied. Well, yeah, like Leicester, the same argument could have been levied at Wolves when they when they're in League One. What's the point of Wolverhampton to Wanderers nowadays? And they get bought out. They have a set plan. They know what they're doing. They go about it. They execute it, execute it correctly. And within a few seasons, they're back in the Premier League. And a few seasons after that, they're in Europe. And God knows where they're going to end up in the next few seasons after this. So you know, anything can happen with the I right management, it is crazy. And the right leadership. I mean, congratulations to Leicester. Um, it makes me incredibly envious that a club of a similar size to us. Um, I wouldn't. I'd say probably maybe a bigger following. You know, Leicester is the only team in Leicester, um, but you know this. They, their owners adore that club, and have given everything to that club, and you know, recruited well, invested well in infrastructure and the squad, um, mm. and just have done such a great job. And they deserve everything they get, and deserve more uh, as well. So congratulations to them. Incredibly envious of their ownership and. I, I don't know what it feel. I don't know what it feels like to ever feel that way towards an owner, the way they feel towards theirs. You know, he was on the pitch celebrating, they were cheering, and he was lifting the trophy. Mm. It was incredible to see. So maybe one day we'll get that as well. Um, but for now, we say thank you for listening, uh, and come on, you baggies.